everybody. Um, again, as I said, we're Drew and Amanda Guillot. Uh, we've been married 21 years. We've got three kiddos, 12, 10, and 4. 13. Um, oh, teenager. gosh, that's right. As she just turned 13. Ago. I forgot about that. Um, so, yeah, for a long time, it was just uh, me and a house full of women. And uh, luckily, one with a penis came along, and uh, life in the house changed. So... Uh, so there's a, there's a lot of things, uh, that you could know about us and a lot of things about our story, but a couple of things that, that, that you just need to know. Uh, I grew up here in Dallas in a very, um, uh, Irish, angry Catholic, Catholic alcoholic home, uh, pretty, pretty typical, um, and I was going into marriage. I was still very much wrapped up in, in a workspace faith. Um, and I had an addiction to pornography. And, and really, I did not have a relationship with Jesus at all. And led to me being an ungodly husband. Hey, guys. I'm Amanda. Um, similar to Drew, I, you know, I, we came from very different backgrounds. Like you said, I grew up in a Protestant family. Uh, we went to church on Sundays. But I tell people all the time, the other six and a half days of the week didn't really look like we were a church-going family. Um, my parents divorced when I was in high school, and we had a really strong history of depression and mental illness on my mom's side of the family that ultimately led to her suicide when I was 20 years old. So we had a lot of, of hurt and a lot of baggage that Drew and I brought into our marriage. Um, that was issue number one. Issue number two is that we had very different theological views walking into our marriage to one another. Oh, yeah, sorry. Okay, I'll dive in too. So just to give you a little bit of background on how we met one another, we were at the ripe age of 19 and um, in college, we met during a Bible study that was set up for the Greek system for our fraternities and sororities. And don't be fooled, that doesn't mean that we were walking with the Lord because we met at a Bible study. Um, but at the time, we would have said that we were. And we were really quickly enamored with one another. Our first date led to our second date the very next night. Um, my good friend that gave Drew my phone number the night we met said, I don't know why I didn't introduce you guys sooner. I think you'll end up getting married. So she called it and was in our wedding and, and went on from there pretty quickly. Yeah. And so even though we, we met at a Bible study still, I, I was, I, I did not know the Lord. Um, and I didn't even know what a life with, with Jesus would even look like and, and still felt very strongly that I had to earn God's favor and I had to earn my way into heaven. Yep. So um, as we were dating one another um, in college, we ended up moving in with one another. Um, we had separate apartments for a while, but I really didn't ever stay there. I stayed with Drew. Um, we had decided early on in our dating relationship, despite overnights at each other's places, that we would keep our relationship pure, quote unquote. And really what that meant for us was we weren't going to have intercourse, but everything else was fair game for us. Yeah. So mistake number one, theological differences. Mistake number two, didn't realize the significance of our baggage. Number three was living together in the physical part of our lives. And we both thought that, that we were honoring God by not actually having sex, but um, neither of us were in any kind of community. We didn't have anybody uh, discipling us or guiding us. And it, and it clouded a number of things in our life because that part of our relationship was pretty good. Right. Um, in terms of school, there were also some red flags there. Drew was very, very focused on his schooling and his ultimate career um, to the point that really not much else mattered other than success in those areas. Um, there wasn't a lot of pursuit on um, 
on my side that I felt necessarily, but he didn't really have to pursue me because I was already moved in. I was already living with him. Um, We dated for over three years. And once we got engaged, one of Drew's aunts, who was a therapist, gave us the gift to see someone um, for a premarital counseling session with one of her peers. So we went into that session with rose-colored glasses on. We felt like we were good despite all of this background that we had. And this gentleman asked us to unpack the women on my side of the family, the men on his side of the family. And we've given you a glimpse of what that looked like. It was ugly. (laughs) It was messy. And so we laid all that out for him in our 50-minute session. And he literally put his hands down on his paper and said, I don't think you guys should get married. I wouldn't advise you getting married. And we just thought, what does he know? You know, we were 21 years old, 22 years old, and we skipped out of there like, you know, he doesn't know us. We're good. We're different. We're going to, we don't need to worry about those things. So we got married in 1998, and that first uh, year of marriage was was great. Um, I was still had a semester of school left, so we finished that. Um, and then I, I uh, my passion was the entertainment business, so we I got a job in L.A. and we moved to L.A. Um, and uh, and I actually moved out there first. Yeah, so he went out there about six weeks ahead of me. Um, I was extremely fearful of moving. I'm a small town girl, um, going from a little tiny town to Austin, Texas, where we went to school, and then ultimately to, ultimately to LA was um, really kind of terrifying to me. And I was really reluctant to leave my friends and family, which um, you know says a lot about just where we were in our understanding of what marriage looked like. Yeah, so she wanted to be around family, and, and I didn't really know what Genesis 2 was, right? For this reason, a man shall leave his mother and father, be united to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Didn't understand the, the united or the whole idea of leaving and cleaving, but I'll tell you, I got angry and resentful uh, because she didn't want to be there with me, and it was more important for her to be with her family than it was for her husband. And, and so in the entertainment business, my jobs were awful. Uh, there, there was not a lot of success there. She had great success in her work, uh, and she ended up being the breadwinner in our house for, for a period of time, and that caused a lot of division for us. Um, it, it was, it was a, uh, almost a transfer of power, so to speak, um, and, and our finances were a complete mess. We, we got into debt very quickly. I, we were 25 years old and probably had $40,000, $50,000 worth of consumer debt uh, that was just on credit cards. Um, and then I worked all hours, a lot of times six days a week, minimum 12-hour days. Um, and I was not present physically. And when I was present, I was, certainly was not present emotionally or mentally for her. And on both of our sides, a lot of selfishness rose up. Yeah, so as this was going on, our conflict really began to boil, and that started to happen more and more frequently between us. Um, We had really poor resolution skills. We had not really learned, nor had it been modeled for us and our families how to resolve conflict well, and certainly we didn't have any understanding of forgiveness and what that would look like. Um, I ultimately began to find fulfillment and validation from my boss at work. And that led to an emotional affair. And um, that was something that I never imagined uh, walking into or, um, or, or that being part of my story. I was a longtime people pleaser, still am in recovery, I'm proud to say. But um, finding my identity and what other people think of me was huge. And here was this person that was giving me affirmation when I wasn't feeling it at home. And that was attractive to me and tempting to me. 
and during all this time, I became very suspicious of it uh, by the way that she talked about the guy, by how much time they were spending together. Um, but to be honest with you, I did not want to know the truth because I didn't know what I would do with it if I learned it. Yeah. So the conflict just continued to escalate between us. Um, we both just continued to move further and further away from one another. As I moved closer to my boss, he dove deeper into work. And so we were really just roommates essentially at this point. So even though conflict rose, we weren't really having these, these knockdown drag out fights, um, but there would be anger that was shared. Nothing would ever get resolved and, and it would continue to build up and the anger and resentment grew and grew and grew. Each one of us wanted to win the argument or the fight and it, nothing ever got resolved. The big turning point for us was during the Christmas season. Um, as I said, we you know, were both pouring ourselves into work. Um, each of our respective employers had Christmas parties, and we didn't even invite the other person to our party. It was The parties were on the same night, and it was not even discussed. I went to mine. He went to his. That's how divided we were. Um, on that night when I was at my Christmas party, I was helping my boss clean up, and he asked to kiss me goodnight. And that is when I shut down. And I fled, thankfully. Um, I still had been putting my heart somewhere else other than with my spouse. But I did leave that situation and hurried home, um, really just afraid that I was about to tow over a line and, and ruin everything. Um, I crawled into bed that night. Drew was already home asleep. And in his sleep, he said, I hope you're having a nice affair. And up I don't until remember the, saying that. He doesn't remember saying that. Up until that point, I thought I was hiding um, really well what was going on. And I was terrified that he knew. But the next morning, um, he woke up and we kind of carried on as normal. And so I concealed that sin and didn't talk to him about it. Um, we not, I, I don't remember the timing exactly how many days after this was that it occurred, but I came home from work one day and I just was so unhappy. And I said, if this is the worst, if for better or for worse, I don't think I can do it. I think I'm out. That was probably the most poignant moment for me in knowing that uh, I'm about to lose my wife. I mean, we were not getting along. Um, life was not great together, but I still loved and adored her. And so I, I remember I, I left uh, the house and I went for a drive, a really, really long one. And I go, I got to do something. And the only thing that I knew was to turn to the Lord. We did begin couples counseling shortly after this. Um, she was not fantastic, <laughs> this therapist. And um, she, I think the one piece of advice that we look back on and realize it did help us was that if we were in the midst of conflict, her encouragement was that we hold hands. And that was absolutely the last thing I would want to do when in conflict, particularly then. Um, but, you know, that was a starting point for us. The, the best part of that was, is that that was the first thing that we could actually agree upon was that we both thought this woman was terrible. Um, and uh, anything, it takes anything at this point, right? Yeah. So I, we both worked at it really hard, but it's, it's almost like pushing a rope right? We don't have community. I don't know who Jesus is. I don't have the impact of him in my life. And so it, it wasn't completely fruitless because we were both working on it. But if you've ever tried to push a rope, it just doesn't go anywhere. Um, we found a church home finally in Pasadena after being out there for seven years. And it was a place that was similar to Watermark. And, and I grew up Catholic. She grew up Baptist, small town Baptist. So we, we walk up, we hear the drums, we hear the guitars, we see people raising their arms. And we're like, oh, God, 
You know? Oh, no. We, this isn't going to last long. And both of us, within five or ten minutes, we were looking around, and the music was so um, effect, um, infectious. And everybody around us, I go, these people love Jesus. And we both kind of cried. That that's the first time I go, I'm in a place where we're actually worshiping the Lord. This is what this is supposed to look like. Um, so I started to learn what it was to, to be a Christian. I started hearing a completely different message than I had heard all those years. Uh, we were both learning to be less selfish, uh, but we still couldn't resolve conflict and, and couldn't forgive one another. Makes sense, right? I don't understand the gospel. I don't understand forgiveness. Um, and, and was still just wrapped up in, in um, earning my way into heaven. And it's real tough to forgive somebody when you don't know what to forgive because I, I still was concealing my sin. So mind you, that was still going on. Um, at this point, we were kind of white knuckling our way through marriage and we did decide to start our family. Um, we were then pregnant with our firstborn who just turned 13. As we mentioned, she was born in 2006. And after eight years in California, we decided to move back home because grandparents live here. <laughs> and so our sweet baby girl brought us home to Texas and, um, Um, We really, um, everything kind of changed at that point, I think, for us in terms of what our family looked like, in terms of what my identity looked like as well. Um, I began staying home with our family was the plan. I had stopped working. And um, in the midst of that, postpartum depression stepped in for me. Um, I was terrified of that, knowing my mom's story and... um, was really questioning why I had no joy in my heart when all I wanted was to be home with this baby girl, to have this baby, to have this family, and I couldn't find joy in the midst of that. And I had no idea what was going on. (coughs) Excuse me. Um, I totally did not understand what was going on with her with postpartum depression, and I could not have been a worse husband, a worse understanding husband in that. I had a total lack of attentiveness, total lack of care, and just felt like she should snap out of whatever she's going through. Thankfully, the Lord led us here to Watermark um, that fall. So we moved here in January of 2007. By that fall, um, after visiting a number of churches, we landed here one day. We were drive-bys on the highway and thought, well, we should check that one out too. And we walked in and we really had the same um, feeling come over us that we had at that church in California where we just felt like the Lord was speaking into our hearts um, with the music and just with what we were hearing and seeing around us. Seeing life change, seeing people uh, love us despite our sin. And, and I remember an old staff member, I was talking about this earlier today, an old staff member named Johnny Hawkins uh, just took me under his wing and, and he had a similar background as I did. And I remember the day very vividly where he asked me, hey, do you still feel like you have to earn your way into heaven? I was like, well, yeah. I, mean, it, 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 I didn't even have to think about that. And he shared Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 with me. And if you don't know that verse, it says, For it is by grace that you have been saved, through faith. This is not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not by works, so that no man can boast. I'm thinking, I've been in the Catholic Church 33 years. I've never heard that verse. It, maybe they've said something similar to it, but it never reached me. And I left here driving back to work on the LBJ thinking that I was going to have to pull over because I was crying. And it was that moment where I go, I get it. I get what you've done for me. And from then on, everything in my life changed. 
to a point. <laughs> so we're not we're not quick learners. Just if y'all haven't caught on to that yet. <laughs> um, so by that spring, we were pregnant with our second born, a little girl, and um, we still were finding ourselves unable to resolve conflict that we were in. Postpartum depression set in again. Um, you know, we sort of kept repeating cycles despite really trying to work through it. We were trying to work through it on our own. Um, and so despite Drew's renewed faith, even in the midst of that conflict, um, he, he would pr- have these pretty big outbursts of anger and leave often. Um, and, and that was kind of our pattern when we were in the midst of conflict. Yeah. So even though I'd come to know the Lord and that everything in me was changing, there was still a lot of things that I had to learn and, and resolving conflict was one of them. And my anger was another one. And the most haunting uh, vision that I have is uh, there was a conflict. I don't remember what it was, but she was eight months pregnant and we were in our kitchen and, and I was getting ready to go on a hunting trip and something happened. And I was in her face, had her up against the wall, was in her face with my finger, my, my teeth are clenched and I am angry laying into her. And what she did was she collapsed on the ground crying hysterically and I walk out the door and I leave. That's where I was. And I'm saying, I knew Jesus, and that, that was my, that's how I acted. Um, around this time, I was going through CR, Celebrate Recovery, which is now Regeneration here. And I went through that entire process, a year plus, still without confessing my affair to Drew. Um, I really wrote it off under the step that to to confess your sin unless it would bring harm to the other person. And I felt like that was my scapegoat. That was my, I'm going to carry this to the grave excuse because it would hurt him so deeply if he knew that I had given my heart away. Um, During that time, we also um, began re-engage with our then community group. And um, that was really where we began to experience life change. That was where we began to see tools that we had never witnessed before in terms of how to resolve conflict, how to communicate better, um, all of those things. And um, really for us, even the speaker-listener technique was the most rudimentary um, tool in the toolbox for us, but we had to go back to basics. We didn't know what those basics were, so we had to go back and really baby step our way through that to get to a different place and how we communicated with one another. Um, at this point with our community group, while we were in re-engage, another couple in our group began walking through something similar and she um, kissed another man at a New Year's Eve party. And the situation was so eerily similar to what I had gone through. And this is, mind you, nine years after that Christmas party that I knew that was the Lord's conviction, that I had to tell the truth and I had to come clean. And I came home to Drew, and I confessed my affair to him, and for the first time felt free of this burden that I had been carrying for a very long time. Yeah, and I even remember the uh, the physical change in her when she confessed. And uh, for me, I, I felt like I had three choices. Right, I could I could leave because there's this so-called exception clause. Uh, I could do something similar in retaliation, or I could forgive her. And I remember God putting on my heart in that moment of you have been forgiven much, so you must forgive. It's literally the first time in my life that I've ever forgiven somebody right then and there. Um, And that is what started our ability to actually reconcile. And that probably, that moment probably clarified a lot more of the gospel than any other time in my, in, in, in my spiritual walk at that point in time of understanding forgiveness. Yeah. Same for me, same for me to feel that forgiveness and know that is what 
Jesus died for and to know that that's, we are forgiven every minute of the day in that same way that he forgave me. It was just a perfect picture of the gospel. Um, I know, and he knows, looking back, that had the confession happened right out of the gate, our marriage likely would have ended. Our three precious children wouldn't be here, and we would be in very different places in this life. And because the Lord drew us close to him, I now get to witness my husband serving in this ministry and changing marriages. We get to be different role models for our family. Um, All of those things have such trajectory. It's just a beautiful thing to see the Lord right. Yeah, I remember when we were asked to serve and merge, I go, hey, you know our story, right? Are you sure you want us there? And then when I get asked to be on staff, I'm like, hey, you, you know who else I'm in community with. You know they're much better equipped than that. And so, um, but this is where God has us. And um, it's that we are grateful for his perfect timing. There is just, we look back at our marriage and look back at everything that happened. There is amazing provision by God in the way that he allowed us to continue to go down our road of sin and destruction, but he protected us because he knew what he was going to do with us. So I think of everybody in this room and the way that God is working in your lives, the way that God has brought you guys here because he knows what's going to happen and he knows what he's going to do with his people. And, and good things are going to come from, for his people because he loves us. And I'm not talking about any kind of prosperity gospel. I'm talking about having the fruit of a relationship with the Lord that nothing can, can be better than that. But our finite selves, that's what we believe, is that there's something better than that. So real quick, I know that we've gone long, I'm sorry, but three things that we do now. Number one, abide with Jesus. There's just nothing more important for us than that. Because if we're looking at a triangle, you have me here and Amanda here and Jesus at the top. When we're both running after him, that's where we meet. Uh, secondly is that we date one another. Man, we got to. We got to pursue one another in any way that we can. We're going out after this tonight. <laughs> and then lastly, community. There is, I, we will not live life ever without having godly people in our lives who love us, who are for us, but love our marriage and are for our marriage over more than the individual. But that they also love and encourage us to be more fully devoted, devoted followers of Christ. So our story, we want it to be hope, right? There were... We, of course, we could be here for two hours talking about all the bad stuff, but God gave us hope, and that's what we want to just show you guys, is that there is hope in the gospel, hope beyond what we could ever even imagine. So we are not perfect. Um, we certainly aren't sitting up here to tell you we've got it all figured out now. Like I said, we learned the hard way, and we tend to just repeat that pattern <laughs> in lots of areas in our life, but um, we have struggled through a lot of losses even since coming to know the Lord. We lost Drew's father um, to cancer five years ago. We had two miscarriages between our girls and our sweet little boy, and um, it, we're now walking through an affair with a close family member and her husband, and it's just um, amazing to see what the Lord has done where we know to call on truth and we know where to pull our focus back um, to in the midst of good and bad um, because that is life and we're going to have those ups and downs in this broken world. So thank you for listening to us and um, we pray that you guys have an awesome night tonight.